Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Oh, hey everybody. We are back and we are happy. Matthew, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. A little tired, but good. Yeah, you'll be fine. Oh yeah. You're a young man. Hey, you know, you remember um, a few months ago how excited you were because it had been a while since you had helped somebody with that final step across the starting line. They gave their life to the Lord. Yes. And so you got to be used that way. You remember that? I fully do. Okay. Check this out. So our good friend, Kathy Martin, uh-huh. runs up to me and and says, Kevin, 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 Kevin. <laughs> no. <laughs> and she's played a role like we all play. We all plant seeds. We all hopefully intentionally love people nice and and we you know nudge people along that ingle scale if there really is one of those. Mm-hmm. And she said, I got to pray with somebody to receive Jesus and it had been so long. I thought, wait a minute, how do we do this? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> How's this go? And she was so thrilled and I just thought of the freshness of salvation and mm. people getting saved every single second of every single day all over all the world all over the world yeah so i wanted to share that with the uh, listeners even kathy martin yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because she's like a powerhouse yes she is yes she's so funny and humble today we've got a new friend a new sister at mm-hmm. least to us yes. right hasn't been on the show and i got to tell you like so many of the wonderful guests that have hung out with us i just start hearing rumors oh oh you got to have crystal reed on the show mm-hmm. oh man wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait till you meet her wait till you hear her story it is just the power and love of god Fully executed. Amen. Amen. And so, Crystal. Hi. Welcome to Sent 315. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you, especially when you sent me a little bit of your story. Now, did you make any of that stuff up? All of it. All of it? (laughs) (laughs) You want to have a creative testimony? (laughs) No, it's all true. Well, you know what? I just want to jump into it. Um, But I do want to let you know, let everybody else know as well. you just have the the glow of the Lord about you. People need to meet you. Yeah. There's something contagious just about that. And I think for me, part of it comes from knowing, knowing the depth of his rescue. Man, I have this, we have this uh, saying, um, people who are radically saved are radically in love with Jesus. And that's what I sense about you. And you gave me a warning that there may be crying during this <laughs> I did <laughs> this yes. conversation. I'm very emotional about my Lord. You know, he he's so good to me. He's just done so much for me that it really brings me to tears sometimes. And usually for the good, good for the better. Usually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but every now and then I Well, when we talked a little bit I kind of shared with you, and I want to share with the listeners, what we hope is that people get inspired by stories, they have hope in in the stories that they hear, and they go, I can see myself in that story. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about you know, what life was before Jesus for you, and how he got you. All so right. just start telling me. All right, well, I was born into a family of, uh, it was very dysfunctional, 
My mother was addicted to hard drugs and my father was an alcoholic. It was abusive. There, there was just a lot of chaos all the time growing up and having police come and investigate our home frequently. And we were, I think at one point, all of us were in Polinsky's. So yeah, it was just the three of us children and then our parents uh, until I was about almost eight years old. And we were all given away. Um, family came in town for a wedding and my dad was incarcerated at the time. And my mom saw an opportunity to just kind of I, I think she kind of set herself free <laughs> of parenthood. She comes back and says, well, I tried to do the best for you that I could, and I thought that was the right thing. And maybe that's the case, but I know that she was really deep in her addiction at the time, and and it was just more convenient for her to have us go with other aunts and uncles, and so we did. So we all split up and went to different aunts and uncles. And um, from there, my brother and I ended up in Texas, and my sister ended up in Georgia, and I didn't see her very often. I, I think I saw her twice in eight years. So did you and your brother in Texas end up in the same household? No. Okay, So, but you got to see him? Well, I would see him on the weekends because the aunt and uncle I lived with, they liked to go out dancing, and so they'd take me dancing. And her favorite sister, basically, they were really close, um, would also go out dancing, and she had my brother, and so... Uh, we would get to see each other on the weekends for the first year, I think. I can't I can't remember the yeah. exact time frame. But then from there, he was sent back to live with my mom. He really was a difficult child, but I think there was a lot of um, neglect for him and the things that he would do made it really challenging for the adults who weren't sympathetic to what yeah. he was going through can i ask you this might sound like a dumb question like when somebody wins the world series oh how do you feel oh, i feel good <laughs> i won the world series as a child how did that make you feel and how did you cope and and what was going on inside of crystal i felt really alone my aunt didn't like me very much and she frequently reminded me that she didn't like me hmm. and um I didn't get to see my siblings. And I did grow up with two older cousins, two older boys who kind of toughened me up a little bit, but we weren't really close. There was a, a nice age gap there. And so I was alone. I spent so much time alone. And I actually, I didn't really talk very much for the eight years I lived there. I almost never spoke to them, but they also, almost never spoke to me. So um, it sort of created this uh, depression that that started at a young age yeah. and, and sort of followed me most of my life. Okay, so how's the story go from there? When I was a teenager, my aunt had had enough of me. Um, I like to think I was a pretty good kid. I didn't do drugs. I wasn't sleeping around. My grades were almost always at least a C and above. I probably absolutely could have gotten all A's, but I didn't care enough about doing my homework to do it. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I was very studious otherwise, other than not wanting to do my homework because it just put me to sleep, I'm telling you. 
There's so much of it. I think there's some people relating to that. <laughs> I get that. And I didn't really have much of a social life, so I couldn't figure out why everything I did was wrong. Like, I'd always try to please her, but it was never enough. So anyway, I like to think that I was a great kid. Looking back, I, I can see where I was a challenge sometimes, but maybe she could have handled it differently. So she sent me to live with my dad because she didn't really believe the stories about what we went through as a child. And whether that's true or whether she just kind of told herself that to feel better about sending me away. Yeah, sure. It, you know, it's hard to say. So then I lived with my dad for a little while. I was 16. And it was some of the worst abuse I've ever seen in my life. He had a girlfriend with two little kids and both of them were, were horrible to those kids. I left from there not yet 17. I didn't stay with my dad for a full year. In that summer, I ran away to be with my mom. I actually tried running away before, but a cop found me and brought me back. And that was disappointing, but <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I had nowhere to go anyway. So um, I got a hold of my mom, which I had heard stories about her that she got shot in the head. Nobody told me she lived through it, just that she got shot in the head. And I'd known that since I was young, younger anyway. And so when I f found out she was alive, that was sort of a big surprise to me. Wow. And she brought me back to where she was staying. She was staying in an abandoned apartment complex. There was electricity in the main office. And I guess that they were, they knew whoever owned it. And they were the apartment complex managers. Hmm. Which, interesting. I don't know what that means. They just used the areas to store a bunch of junk. They just stayed in there and, and did a lot of drugs. Hmm. So I, I don't really understand how that worked but while i was living with my dad i had started using marijuana and drinking and i started using meth i started using because i didn't want to feel anything i didn't want to feel what i was feeling mm. i didn't want to when i was seeing all the abuse happen um I, I couldn't take it honestly i hated my father i wanted him to die i dreamed about it I wanted him to disappear. I, I didn't want to see him do the things that he did. I would like think about like how I could make him not exist anymore. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of getting in trouble, so <laughs> so I never followed through with that. But which is, you know Very good. Very, very, very good. good. Very, very good. But it really messed me up and started using substances and when I started using meth. It was like my favorite because marijuana would make me paranoid and sick and alcohol would make me sick and forgetful and black out. And, but meth helped me focus. And so no matter how bad everything was, I could do what I'm doing, do it well, and still be like in an elevated state, which I thought that was great. And then when I went to live with my mom and they were like smoking it out of a bong and it got really creepy, really dark. People would come in my room, offer her drugs to, to sleep with me. I was really lucky that that never happened. It just got really dark really fast. After that, I really kind of just completely let go. Mm. I didn't care anymore. I didn't care what happened to me. 
I didn't even think about it anymore, didn't have any more value for myself. Hmm. That let me slide into a lot of bad behaviors. The drugs were nothing compared to the things I did after that. You know, once I once I really let myself go and that also put a huge wedge between me and that Jesus that I knew as a child. Yeah, I get it. Because I didn't really dislike God yet. I wasn't there yet. I just knew I wasn't good enough. And I mean, at some point we all realize that we're not, but I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't realize we all fall short. I just knew that I had really let myself down and that I wasn't good enough. And I really started to believe mm. a lot of those things my aunt had said about me. And so what happened? My mom was too crazy for me. I couldn't deal with her either. I went to go live with, with a friend and his mom actually worshiped the devil, which was kind of wild. I didn't know that at the time. I just went there because my mom wouldn't put me in school. And this lady was like, hey, there's an adult school. I'll get you enrolled. I was like, great. So I went to go stay there, uh, got enrolled in school, got my forklift driving license I've never used once in my whole entire life. That's too bad. I know. <laughs> I want one of those. <laughs> and I hadn't quite broken away from the drugs yet. And I remember she set me aside one time and she said, because she had cleaned herself up. She used to be um, in the Hells Angels and all this other stuff. She said, look, I see you. I see you you clean up after yourself. You do all these things, but you're still doing these drugs. She goes, you're not like the other people that come through here. You need to get yourself straight and you need to get your life together because you, you're not like these people. And I thought that was really interesting. And then she's like, look, I've never told my kids this, but I worship the devil. Let me show you the book. And I was like, that's so weird. <laughs> it's yeah. so weird to hear <laughs> like, hey, get your life together. You deserve better. You are better. So and also, the by way. the way, <laughs> I know, right? So I thought she was just kind of crazy. I didn't really think too much about it. But I did meet some people who were like, hey, let's go to San Diego. And I'm like, I don't even know you, you're crazy. And I and they're sitting on one side of the trolley or the bus or whatever it is, and I'm on the other side and I'm just listening to this dialogue about how, you know, it's always sunny, there are lots of jobs, this is what we're gonna do. And I'm like, you know what? Cause I already felt like my life was spinning out of control. Yeah. I already knew there was no future in anything I was doing. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm done, let's do it. Let's move on to something else. And uh, so I did. Their plans fell through. We ended up being homeless for about a week. Got a bus pass, came down to San Diego, and it was the day before Christmas. Went to St. Vincent de Paul's, slept on the floor, listened to all the people outside having a good old time, and that was really depressing. But I was away from all the drugs. I was away from all this stuff. So I hadn't quite gotten all the way away from the drugs, and I started drinking too much. Because I'm here in this new town, just turned 18, my birthday's in November, and I have no direction at all, none whatsoever. But my depression just wouldn't go away. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how much I did or who I was with. There was something wrong with me, and I couldn't fix it. I was slowly becoming angrier 
slowly becoming angrier with God, um, just becoming the kind of person that uh, I would never want to be. So I started looking on my own. I started reading parts of my Bible on my own. And it took me about six months. I started when I was like, I can't, I can't look at the bad anymore. I need to see something good, right? And about six months later of looking at this, I was like, you know what? If this guy is who he says he is, then I have to get saved. I have to get baptized. So the guy you're talking about is Jesus. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. So I, I started reaching out. I started going to churches. I went to a couple. There, Not every church is biblical. And I would hmm. go to a church, and I know, right? Shocking. I would go to a church, and they would say something completely against the Bible. I remember one time, I literally was holding myself in my seat because I was about to jump up and yell that the guy was a blasphemer. And to this day, I wonder if I was supposed to or not. But <laughs> <laughs> I got a response back from one of the sites I'd reached out to, and it was actually Shane Blayfield and Brian Blayfield. Yeah, yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, so they got back to me. They're like, hey, you want to get baptized? I got you. And I was like, okay, great. So I came on a Tuesday night. I came to this church after hours. They gave me a Bible. They asked me if I repented and all this stuff. And and I was sitting there, and I, and I just... I started crying so hard because I knew I was in a relationship for four years. I really thought we were going to get married. I thought this was the one. And I knew right then and there that my relationship was over because if I was going to do this, I had to do it right. Mm -hmm. I've done everything in my life wrong and I needed to do this right. And part of that is not fornicating. And I was in a four-year relationship and I was like, oh, he's going to hate me. But this is what's going to happen. I kind of was a little brokenhearted because I knew that that was ending. And I'm sure a lot of people maybe feel a little bit of that, like pain for that old life. Because it's kind of hard to let go of. We learn to love things in the world. But I got baptized. I came up. And I knew that if I came up the same person, that this was all a sham, that I'd wasted my time, and there was no point of anything but that's not what happened <laughs> <laughs> jesus what happened i didn't realize it at first i mean there was this great joy so i fasted for seven days i fasted and i was praying dang and the second day was when i got baptized and the whole time my boyfriend was just you know coming at me with all these different angles about uh, you shouldn't be fasting because it's, it's, you're going to make yourself sick and all this other stuff or and the other things that we weren't doing anymore. And like uh, he was just not having it. Sure. So um, I didn't realize quite what was happening, but it didn't really bother me. I was I was happy. Mm -hmm. I was excited even. I was like, that's great. I don't really want to talk to you about it because I really don't care you know honestly how you feel about it right now uh, i just want to go read my bible and like i was stuck in the word i was i would read psalms i read psalm 119 
out loud slow i don't i didn't realize it was like the longest song <laughs> and it went through the whole alphabet but some when i started reading it i was compelled to read it out loud and i would just like was reading it thinking about who i used to be and who i was becoming and and what the people in the world were around me and what the effect that all this change was having and it was just it was so powerful it was so real and three months into it i realized that i wasn't depressed anymore during this time this six month period you're baptized you've repented you've given your life to jesus did you have christians come alongside you did you get into community and were you in chains i you know i had a lot of guilt i had so much guilt that that stayed with me for a while and i was still living in a bad situation, didn't know where I was going to go, was praying to God for a, a godly place. I, I wanted to be somewhere where I could just love the Lord, where I could just be in His presence. Is that when my friend Mary pops up? That is exactly <laughs> when she pops up. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about Mary. Yes, so Mary Delosier is one of the most amazing spiritual women I've ever met. Um, I consider her a spiritual mother. And... Mary operates a home for broken women. It's Open Door Ministries for the Broken. And uh, it can be you can, it, whatever it is that you're going through. It can be addiction. It can be uh, abusive relationships. You need to you need a safe place. In my case, there the relationship had was getting a little bit, you know, on the abusive side. I was pulling myself out of addiction. I had four kids boys and girls, different ages. I'd looked into it. Um, most of the places were going to split me. Yeah, and but Mary takes the whole family, right? She does, yes. One of the greatest blessings I've had in, in my walk with the Lord, especially early on. And I remember when I walked into that home for my interview, and I saw all the scripture on the walls, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, Yeah, plans to give you hope in a future. I was walking around and I felt like, just imagine the most beautiful place you can be in. Just imagine like a dream coming true and, and you don't quite believe it's real and you're just looking <laughs> around and, and you're like, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for exactly this, a place where I can be in the presence of God without any judgment and just exist. And there I was and there was room for me and all of my children and we came in and it's and it's small and it's humble but it is so good it it was so good for us so we do bible studies in the morning we come to this church of all churches right of course and i was like great i already go there <laughs> we have other people in the community of believers who come and pray over us and educate us and just uplift us and strengthen us while we're there. And it's there's nothing like it. There's no recovery place out there like it. Some women aren't ready for it um, because it is it is so ingrained in the Lord. But if you're looking for a safe place and you're open to healing, it is amazing. It's incredible. You know, and, and Matt will make sure in the show notes that we have the connection to Mary, and she is coming on the show. One of the honors that I have in this body 
and I know that you're, so you're playing a role now too, because this is the way this deal goes. When you get radically saved, you've got work to do because you're saying, okay, I want to help people that were in their flavor of what I experienced. So I know that's part of what you're doing right now, right? That's right. So I spend time on Tuesday nights at Mary's house and I watch the children and I do like a Bible study with the children while the mothers go and they have their time to get prayed over and to worship and to learn about God. And it's it's a blessing for me too. There are nights when Mary brings me over. She's like, come on, come on, come get some prayer. You know? Yeah. I also have uh, this opportunity to spend time with these women too. I get to tell them, you know, a little bit about what I'm going through. And some of the best conversations I've ever had with people in my life are with some of these women where I get to encourage them when they're going through a really difficult part of their life. Yeah, your life can give hope. Your testimony can give hope to people who are on the front end of that, where you're through the process, you're going through it, and you're exiting. And that's part of our responsibility. When the Lord does that for us, then we get the joy of being able to share it with others. Yes, it's an honor and a privilege. It's more valuable to me than any amount of money that I've ever made. You know, it's it's better than a job. It's better than so many other things. It's more worthwhile. And I really value that opportunity to to be able to give back. Yeah, I can see that. I want to pray for people that are that are listening. I Father, thank you for Crystal and thank you for redeeming her, redeeming everything, Father, and allowing her to use what she's gone through and what you transformed to help others. And Father, I just pray right now that the people who are listening to that will say, I must be a part of this. I must be about Jesus's mission to to redeem that which was lost, to search and to save and redeem. Because Father, anywhere in her in her entire life, um, some, a, a faithful servant can invade. I just saw Shane's testimony on a video that Matt was showing me, and nobody talked to him about Jesus until he walked into a youth venture. So, Father, would you activate the people listening, and would you would you let them hear the joy? that Crystal has in her salvation and how she shares it with others. And would you just send crystals all over the place? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.